Welcome to Blitzcast, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt. Welcome back to another episode of Blitzcast. This is your host, Brennan Bolin, joined alongside my partner, Ed Hunt. How you doing today, my man? Pretty good. How are you doing, Brendan? Doing pretty well, brother. Just came off of a, a long week watching a lot of Senior Bowl stuff. I mean, it's it's been a fun time, man. I, I had a chance to pay attention to Colorado State's very own Trey McBride the entire time. And, you know, he was able to come away with the best tight end award out of the entire Senior Bowl. So that was really awesome to see. And this is the first year I have I have really dove into the Senior Bowl. And it has been quite the experience, man. It's, it's really awesome to see all these all these players from different colleges, different divisions going up against each other, seeing some of the smaller school guys actually win against these, you know, Big Ten SEC guys. It's it's something really exciting to see and um I'm I'm super stoked for the game that we have this weekend. I'll be watching that with you. I'm I'm really excited, Ed. It it's been a really eventful week, you know. We we're we're in the Pro Bowl week. The the Bengals are in the Super Bowl. Never thought I would be saying that sentence uh, before I turned, you know, maybe 60 or so. But here, here we are. Here we are. The Bengals are in the Super Bowl, and Matt Stafford's in the Super Bowl. I mean, imagine telling that to a football fan. I mean, even last year, Ed. That would be the craziest thing to ever hear, is the Cincinnati Bengals will be playing Matt Stafford in the Super Bowl. That's, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that is one of the weirdest sentences I think I've ever spoken as a football fan in my entire life. And it's, it's kind of a painful sentence to, uh, to speak. You know, we all know I'm a big Browns fan. Ed, I know we're both rooting for the Rams big time. We've been rooting for the Rams for a while, man. And uh, they, they've got so much to pull for, and we've got so much to pull against for the Bengals. And unfortunately, there there was no NFL this week, but we weren't short of any fun because they had the Pro Bowl that everybody knows and loves. I mean, I wouldn't really say everybody loves it, but me personally, I, I think it's pretty awesome to see um, these players kind of outside in their own element, doing just having a good time. And, you know, Nick Chubb came in second place in, in two things. He he almost won that uh, the race. Michael Parsons somehow ended up beating Tyreek Hill, Nick Chubb, and Trayvon Diggs in that race, and um, Nick Chubb almost won the dodgeball tournament, but Justin Jefferson had a fantastic one-handed catch to win it, because I know everybody was waiting for the Pro Bowl dodgeball update. I know y'all have been waiting all week to hear about that, so so there it was, but the Pro Bowl was a fantastic, fantastic thing to watch, and I, I honestly think you guys should start watching it. I know it's it's dropped down in popularity, but the skills challenges. They're a fun thing to watch, and Ed, I, I would I would recommend going back watching some of those highlights, man, because it, it's it's a pretty entertaining thing to see. I mean, I've I've always been a football guy, and you know I I watch almost football religiously, but one thing I don't watch is the Pro Bowl. I just never watch the Pro <laughs> I, dude, Bowl. Dude, I totally get it because when it comes to the game itself, we can all admit the Pro Bowl game is. It's 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 hot garbage. Let's be honest. They're they're playing. They don't want to get hurt. And at the end of the day, it's for fifty thousand dollars or something like that. Like that's not pocket change to all these players, anyways. But the skills challenges, <laughs> the skills challenges is where it's at. Those are really fun to watch. But 
you know, unfortunately, this this week we're not here to ramble on about this uh, the the Pro Bowl. Even though I I could do that, man, I I could get down with the Pro Bowl. We're here to talk about the Senior Bowl, and I could get down with that as well. Before we take any longer, Ed, why don't we just go through some some of these positions? You you had a chance to cover the American squad, and I looked at the national squad. Why don't you take me through the quarterback group that you saw? Um, what did you see in the in the drills? Just just give me a rundown on these Senior Bowl American team quarterbacks. So the three quarterbacks on the American team were Sam Howell, Malik Willis, and Bailey Zapp. Definitely in order, Malik Willis, Sam Howell, Bailey Zapp. That would that would be the order that I saw them in. One thing that really stood out between the three of them was what was going on in the foot department, in the in the legs and foot department. And I noticed that Malik Willis has great balance and did so much better than Sam Howell and Bailey Zapp in the footwork drills. You know, I'm talking about the stepping ladders and footwork drills, you know, with the ball in hand and so forth. I thought Malik Willis really won in that department. He also won, I thought, on the field. I thought he was composed. I thought he was... Uh, delivering the ball hard. I thought he kind of had a little bit of bravado in the way that he did it. He showed some escapability. Uh, he's had the running ability, but I think he stood in the pocket confidently and showed that he can be a pocket passer when, you know, let's say it's third down. If there's somebody who made himself some money in uh, in Mobile, it's Malik Willis from Liberty. Um, Sam Howell, uh, um, some people are telling me I'm the only one saying this. I don't think I'm the only one saying this, but I'm a little disappointed in Sam Howell. I mean, especially his stock has dropped for me. I mean, this is a guy who I, I at one time thought was maybe the number one pick, maybe the number three pick, maybe the number five pick. Now, late first round, early second round pick for me. Um, just seems like a lot more of a system quarterback. Can deliver it down the field, but um, I see him more as like a rich man's case Keenum right now. I mean... You know, like he's a starter, but I think I really I really see kind of more Case Keenum. I don't see I don't think he's gonna be Baker Mayfield in the league. You know what I mean? That's the comparison. I don't think he's gonna be as good as Baker Mayfield. So I know I'm taking a hard stance on Sam Howell. I've watched this guy. I know I know that he had a great college career, but just in in Mo, in Mobile watching the film, I, I was not that impressed. Uh, and Bailey Zapp, this is a guy who. Great stats, um, you know, didn't really, I, I mean, you know, I've seen enough of all six quarterbacks to say that he was number six. Yeah, I've, I've I mean, Bailey Zapp, coming from the small the smallest school out of any of these quarterbacks, I was kind of expecting him to, you know, kind of struggle in separating himself or at least bringing, I guess, bringing himself closer to the rest of this group. Um, he separated himself in a, in a way that you don't necessarily want to as a quarterback. I mean, just had the most passing touchdowns in a season ever, but at the end of the day, that was probably because of the division he was playing football in. And Ed, I think the the competition in the American team was a lot further spread out than it was in the national team. I mean, me personally, Ed, the, my, the quarterbacks for the, the national team, we had Kenny Pickett, we had Carson Strong, and Desmond Ritter. And I, I would I would I would absolutely say that Kenny Pickett 
he saved himself with his day three. Um, his last practice on Thursday, far and away, I think was the best quarterback. But his his day one and two, he was just all over the place. I mean, he, he just forced stuff. And the second he calmed down, which I think was day three, and just was like, all right, let's let's relax, cool, calm, collected. That's when he was at his best. He wasn't making huge throws. He wasn't attacking downfield, but he was taking everything that was available. And I loved to see that um, because that's that's, yes, you need the guys to make the big throws. But at the end of the day, a lot of people aren't good at taking the throws or creating throws that aren't necessarily there. And I saw him do that on day three. He, he, when guys weren't winning, getting separation, he was able to throw it underneath and give them an opportunity to make a play on the ball. And that's something I really like to see from a quarterback. Not a lot of quarterbacks really understand that at this age, I feel like. And hopping over to Carson Strong, he's somebody that I didn't think did a good job doing that. He was all over the place, Ed. Um, he had a chance to be, I think, the most impressive quarterback in, in the senior bowl, but he just, he didn't. He tried way too hard to throw off his arm, to show off his arm talent and his arm strength, which, I mean, we know it's there. We know he has the arm strength, but he just tried uh, the complete polar opposite of Kenny Pickett, I would say. Kenny Pickett, if there's nothing deep, he took it underneath and, you know, he's like, I'm going to get the completion. Carson Strong was like, I'm going to take my shot downfield. I'm going to show off my arm talent. I'm going to show that I have potentially the most talented arm at this camp right now and you you saw it a few times but more often than not I feel like he was overshooting it it just it was not what you saw with with his you know partner Romeo Dubs when they were you know tearing it up on on Saturdays it was not the same arm and that kind of happened throughout the week Uh, I I think he did a really good job working around the pocket I think he looked the best out of the three He, he He's definitely a natural feeler in the pocket. He, he understands how a pocket works. The other two, that was one of my bigger knocks, um, especially on Desmond Ritter. I feel like Desmond Ritter was somebody I thought grew a lot as uh, somebody within their pocket presence throughout their college career, um, but he just didn't show it at the Senior Bowl. And I think out of any of the quarterbacks, he was more all over the place, and we saw more highs and lows from him. But... I think overall, Ritter made some of the best throws I saw out of any of the na- uh, the um, national team quarterbacks. Now, I'd say Kenny Pickett was the best, but Ritter made some unbelievable throws. And his ball placement, which was something that he was always criticized for at Cincinnati, was, I think, actually his strong suit in the Senior Bowl. Um, there was a lot of balls where the, the defensive backs draped all over them in the 7-on-7 seven seven drills or something like that. And he made some incredible throws, and some of them were on the run. I mean... Ritter impressed with his ball placement, and I think that was that was a very good thing for Ritter. That was something he needed to prove coming into the NFL that he can improve his ball placement as a whole. And I don't think he, you know, proved anything more than that in the Senior Bowl. All right, so I'm going to run through the rest of the American team offense. Um, just go from running back to offensive line. Just kind of what I thought about different groups and different players. Running back. I really like Brian Robinson Jr. I, I I think he really showed that he was not just an Alabama guy, but a guy who can be a good guy in the NFL. I saw him do well in route running drills. I thought he had really quick feet, good change of direction. Um, you know, just that ability to kind of get out, you know, get separation, you know, from the backfield. I thought uh, he showed that. I thought he showed up in the blocking game. I thought he showed toughness in the blocking game. Um, 
I thought when he was on the 9-on-7 drill, I thought he showed shiftiness. Now, I'm not going to say that. I mean, you don't really get to run until the game. You know what I mean? So you can't really judge his running until the game. But I thought in the other categories, which you do watch, which is the blocking, the route running, I thought he did really well in those categories. Um, but again, it's always it's always tough to judge running backs in Mobile. Fullbacks, I liked what I saw blocking from Connor Hayward. Uh, Michigan State, he is obviously family of uh, um, Cameron Hayward, Pittsburgh Steeler. Um, and then moving to the receiver group, I, I, I kind of feel like this is a group. Um, I didn't think a lot of these guys separated. Um, I thought the first two days, I thought the first day it was rough. The second day was better. And then the third day it was beautiful. And I just saw, I, it was just throughout the group. I mean, it just, you know, I couldn't, I can't just like leave it at one guy. I mean, I, I mean, you know, I thought I saw improvement from Velas Jones, Jaquez Azard, Jalen Tolbert, Calvin Austin. I mean, just really all those guys, I thought, I thought, you know, just looked so much better in the end zone drill. So I, I really, I really just think it was as a group, they improved. Um, tight ends, nobody really stuck out for me. And on the offensive line, I thought the offensive line got destroyed by the defense. I think I think if there's one, if I if I if I walk out of Mobile, I I mean he wasn't even on the American team. But if there's one offensive lineman that I would say, you know, redeemed himself, it was Zion Johnson. Other than that, I was not impressed with the offensive line play in, in this week of practice. No, absolutely, Ed, and and that was something that I saw was pretty evident throughout the the national team as well was that the O line just was getting demolished by the D line pretty much across the board, with with the exception of the guy you named Zion Johnson, and Zion Johnson was somebody that I thought was super impressive. But Ed, why don't why don't I give you a little rundown of the rest of my offense as well? Like you said, for running backs, it's kind of hard to to scout them as a full runner but something that you saw in uh Tyler Batty was his patience man I mean I think he excelled in any drill where you had to uh, exemplify patience and it it was almost like Le'Veon Bell-esque and I know that is a really 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 high praise because Le'Veon Bell was somebody in his prime that mastered patience shout out to that really good Steelers offensive line but um he I think I think that if you can get this guy behind a solid offensive line, he's a guy that's going to find his hole when it's there and take it. His step out of it and his when he finds it, he's gone. His first step is immaculate. And something that really impressed me with him is he looked like a natural pass catcher. It wasn't, um, you know, there's there's a lot of running backs like guys like Nick Chubb. They could catch the ball, but they just look like their hands are heavy when they're catching the ball. It's not smooth. He made it look easy. He made it look like how guys like Christian McCaffrey are catching the football, Alvin Kamara catching the football, Kareem Hunt are catching the football. He's a smooth pass catcher out of the backfield. Jerome Ford, I, I this is somebody who I've really liked. He he kind of struggled in the passing game early on in, throughout the week. Um, and early in the week, you know, there was some weather concern. So that's, that's kind of where you saw the issues with. But something that I thought he showed off pretty well was his vision. Uh, he... He kind of understood when to bounce out whenever he needed to, and that's how he got a couple of his long runs was if somebody was there, his, his jump cut was was immaculate throughout the entire Senior Bowl. I 
would say he was struggling in the pass blocking game compared to the rest of the running backs. And that's not something he's ever really been praised for is his ability to pass block. But I think I think he did a phenomenal job in one-on-one drills. I mean, he, he's something somebody that excels in making a move and then getting past a guy. And he showed that one-on-ones. I mean, he was absolutely cooking linebackers. You know, like you said, you didn't get to see much of him as a ball carrier, but any opportunity he got, he shows that he makes a move and he's gone. Hopping over to some wide receivers, somebody that really impressed me early on and kind of really carried th- themselves throughout the week was Bo Melton. I mean, week one, or the, excuse me, the, the first practice on Tuesday, it was, it was kind of slow. It started off really slow and I, he had a couple of drops, but he was just absolutely, I mean, bullying defensive backs with his route running. He is such a smooth quick and aggressive route runner and he has really good field speed i mean there's there's guys like who romeo dubs who is supposed to have that insane what was it four three speed that's somebody i actually didn't see that from i was i was a little bit disappointed in what i saw from him overall i was expecting romeo dubs to be this guy that was going to take the top off every play show his four three quickness on the field overall he caught the ball well i didn't think his route running looked too too strong. He dropped a lot of passes um, on that second day when the weather was really bad, but I'll give him a slack uh, or some slack because I know every skill position had a hard time catching the ball on Wednesday. But overall, man, if, if you want to be in the NFL, you got to catch the ball when the weather's a little ugly. But um, I think the, th- the third day of his practice was far and away the best day, far and away. I mean, he, he excelled at getting off the line of scrimmage. Um, I think his his ability to win in a short area is was really really impressive. Uh, I I liked Romeo Dubs or excuse me, I liked Romeo Dubs. I like to see him improve throughout the week, and that's kind of you and I touched on that. Um, if we see a guy have a rough day one, one thing I really love to see is them come back and have a really strong day two, and then an even better day three, um, because that shows that they're working on okay what went wrong in this day one. Let's fix it. I love to see that. I mean, I, I was saying it's almost more impressive to have a really bad day one and then ball out the rest of the week. And that's what Romeo Dubs did. Um, I Overall, though, I was kind of disappointed I didn't see that true 4-3 speed. And, you know, I I don't know if playing, playing in the Mountain West kind of um, negated that speed or made it look a little bit more impressive than it really was. But at the end of the day, the speed did not show up for me. Overall, though, I think Braylon Sanders was my favorite receiver. And we only got to see one day from him. We only got to see one day from him. I think he his route running on the first day was unbelievable. It was far and away the best out of any wide receiver. He separated from his cornerbacks on every single route. And he did a really good job at keeping the ball away from, or catching the ball with his hands. That's something that some receivers struggled with, um, you know, throughout the entirety of the senior bowl is a lot of these guys like to catch the ball with their body. They don't understand how to get the ball as early as you possibly can. That's a, that's a really important thing that receivers don't necessarily do. They, they wait for the ball to come to him. But Braylon Sanders, the one day that we saw him, he did an exceptional job with that. And moving over to tight ends, my boy Trey McBride was phenomenal throughout the entire uh, the entire week. Um, day two, struggled dropping or catching the ball a little bit just because of that super ugly weather. And overall, I would say throughout the entirety of the camp, he struggled to show his ability to gain separation and that was kind of his knock throughout CSU you know a solid route runner but at the end of the day he just does not have the speed to get separation but 
with a guy like Trey, I didn't see that being a problem because he understands his body so well. He understands how to get the ball at the earliest point, and he has such strong hands that he'll catch the ball when it's three feet in front of him. Um, so he doesn't necessarily need to get that separation, get four yards away from somebody every single time. He's he's not a tight end like Travis Kelsey that's going to gain 10 yards of separation down the seam. You know, that's that's just not the type of tight end Trey McBride is. He's a, he's a physical guy that's going to smack you in the mouth. And that's what he did all senior bowl. That's why he got the award for the best senior or for the best tight end throughout all of the senior bowl practice. Um, I, I think he only helped his draft stock even more in the senior bowl. If, if he didn't already solidify himself as a super early second rounder, potentially even a late first, I think the senior bowl absolutely did it. And I know the jets are very, very interested in, in him and they had an opportunity to get a really good look at him this week. So uh, I, I think Trey did a really good job. Another tight end that actually kind of surprised me was um, Jeremy Ruckert. We only got to see him on two days, but he was somebody that saw such a low volume of of play or even, um, I wouldn't say low volume of play, but he was not a part of Ohio State's passing offense. They utilized him as a blocker a lot of the time. But when he was relied on at Ohio State to be a receiver, he excelled. And he did that at the Senior Bowl. Um, he finally got an opportunity to showcase his, his soft hands, which I think out of all, all tight ends, he impressed... Uh, he was the biggest surprise, I would say. It wouldn't say impressed me the most, but his ability to catch the ball was on full display, um, and that's not something I was necessarily expecting from him. I thought he would um, kind of excel in all the blocking stuff, which he did. Um, but overall, I think he was phenomenal. He, he like I think Jeremy Rucker has solidified himself as a as a NFL tight end. Um, if he didn't already when he was at Ohio State, this Senior Bowl just upped his draft stock by a buttload. But and Ed, you, we, we already kind of went over O-line. I mean, nobody really impressed me uh, other than Zion Johnson. Zion jo- Johnson overall impressed me. I would absolutely say he was he was awesome. The only other lineman I want to kind of point out is Cole Strange from uh, Chattanooga. He's a center, and he was somebody that I see a lot of potential in. I see a lot of potential in. He has decent upper body strength, but he has a great center of uh, of gravity. And really only one or two times I saw him straight up just get beat one-on-one. He has really good... He has really good footwork and has skill in space. I mean, as a center, that's not something you're necessarily going to have to deal with a lot being on the interior, but he showed in those one-on-ones that he still has solid footwork to make it happen. So if you need to somehow put him out to a guard or something, I think that's somebody that can succeed doing that. And being from a smaller school, Chattanooga, it was impressive to see him go up against these, you know, Big Ten guys. So I, I wanted to give him a little bit of a shout out. There was a little bit of a concern with his overall strength. The time he did get beat was he just kind of got bullied. So I, if if he can upgrade his strength when he's going in the NFL, I think he could be a sleeper pick. So we'll go on to defensive line. I do want to talk about this American defensive line group. The big winners for me in the defensive line group for the American team was number one, Fedarian Mathis from Alabama and LSU kid, Neil Farrell Jr. Neil Farrell Jr. has perfect technique and he just absolutely uses that core strength to just absolutely beat his man. He puts a clinic out there. Um, he's been, he beat his man almost every time and it looked pretty. Fedarian Mathis, 
I think he just re- he relies more on just pure athleticism, strength, uh, and he just wins. You know what I'm saying? Um, there were other guys though that did well. Um, Chris Paul, Kingsley Anambare, pretty much, pretty much Braxton Jones. I mean, all these guys on the defensive line did absolutely awesome. And I think I think that's really what, um, you know, when when it was an offensive and defensive line matchup. Um, the defensive line was winning, um, and we saw athleticism. Zach Carter, you know, great athlete. You can tell he's long, long arms. Um, you know, gonna gonna be good in the NFL. So uh, the defensive line won with me. Linebackers, I don't have much to say. Um, especially, it's hard to tell with the linebacker drills because they're kind of mostly just pass rushing. Um, and they don't they don't do as much in I I didn't see as much in coverage and um, I didn't see as much you know tackling but we'll see more live tackling secondary um, you know I saw I saw a lot of they, they kind of won early I mean they kind of did the opposite of what the receivers did I thought they won early and then they kind of slid they kind of started to lose more as the week went on so that's my that's my American team report. Yeah, Ed, I it, it kind of seems like it's not just for the American team that the defensive line or the defense I guess is winning. It's that's that's how it is for the national team as well. And it's because of two things. Strength and violence, man. That's what all of this defensive line has. And somebody that has both of those at the utmost level is Travis Jones. I mean, this is somebody that I would be very okay with the Cleveland Browns drafting at this point. He for a nose tackle, the the dude is is super athletic for his size, and he is the definition of power. Uh, he he won almost every rep by simply outpowering his opponent. He pushed them back eleven out of ten times, and even he won a couple of reps with with swim moves and swipe moves. I mean, for a guy that size to show finesse in his pass rush moves was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. Like, honestly, he's put himself up there as, as one of the top de- interior, if not the second best interior lineman in this draft, if you're looking for somebody that can plug that middle for you. You know, obviously behind Jordan Davis from Georgia. But the thing that Travis Jones gives you that I don't think necessarily Jordan Davis does is he gives you a little bit of a more of a pass rush as well. Um, yes, he can plug the middle for the runs, but I think he shows a little bit more of a pass rush, um, especially with that finesse he has and the athleticism. His ability to move um, is, I I think it's more impressive than what Jordan Davis has to offer. Now, if you're looking for a run stuffer, go get you Jordan Davis. But Travis Jones' athleticism, it's, it's undeniable, man. And what he just did in Mobile is going to up his stock by a long shot. Somebody else I wanted to just give a shout out for their violence and strength was Haskell Garrett from Ohio State. He's 6'2", 300, and the the dude was playing with fire. Something I really noticed about him was how aggressive he was with his hands. I mean, constantly moving, constantly coming down powerfully with his hands. And he just, he never gave up on a rep. His hands were always moving. Even if, if he knew he was going to lose a rep, he finished that rep out 115%. I, I was... I was really impressed with Garrett. He was one of my favorite linemen to watch out of the entire Senior Bowl um, practices, and I mean, throughout the week, the one thing that I just kept coming back to was his hands. Man, I couldn't get over how 
much effort he put into every rep and how much he cared about his hands being the most violent aspect of his pass rush. And that's how he won a lot of his reps. Um, unfortunately, he got hurt and he didn't he didn't practice the um, he didn't practice Thursday. So we didn't really get to watch much of what he had to offer on Thursday. Um, but I believe he will be playing on Saturday. So that will give us an opportunity to see, you know, what he can do on game speed when it's not necessarily just these one on ones, because I think he he didn't I wouldn't say people would say he excelled at the senior bowl but you saw what he can do as a pass rusher and you sh you saw what teams would love about this guy as a, as a freak athlete so you you definitely see the raw talent and the the pure heart and the the hand strength I would like to see his overall uh, you know legs get stronger like his his upper body strength is undeniable but he hasn't really won with his legs yet but overall defensive line 100 percent was the most impressive part of all of the senior bowl to me ed now one person that surprised me i would say is jalen petre he he was one of my favorite safeties to watch and i thought he was awesome he did a really good job uh against tight ends and that's what you're looking for in the nfl now is your tight end killers right so d if you if you could put that on display that's going to help your draft stock a lot he's super fast and it's kind of hard to find a, a safety that's genuinely fast and also has the physical traits to stop a tight end. It's it's just really really hard to find. I mean, you guys got you got guys like Justin Simmons who you know you if you have to they can cover a tight end, but they're just not the fastest guy in the world. Petre is fast, man. He is fast. His ball skills are crazy, and the way he runs. Um, he doesn't sacrifice any speed whatsoever. If he has to flip his hips and start running the other direction, it's like he never stopped. Um, that's that's somebody that really impressed me, and I I honestly didn't expect to see what I saw out of him, uh, and I, I'm really excited to see where where this ups his draft stock. I th I think like honestly, out of any of the defensive backs, I think he impressed me most because when it came down to we didn't see a ton of ton of like one-on-one -on -one coverage opportunities with him but whenever he did he he almost looked more like a corner than a lot of these other corners I was looking at um and I I am really really excited to see who picks this kid up Ed if you had to give me one player that you had a chance to watch at the senior bowl to be on your Pittsburgh Steelers who are you taking gosh um you know, I, I didn't mention the name, but I I, I know about him. Um, I'd really like to see the Steelers get Daniel Falele. <laughs> um, I mean, just that that size is imposing, and it's like if you can teach him. I mean, he's already showing that he can. I mean, I think he's like a second round pick right now. It's like if you can just show him how to block and how to have the right technique. I mean, there's no there's no stopping him. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean. Personally, I think I would have, like, I, I know I mentioned Travis Jones and his ability to stop the run, but I would love to pair, well, not for the Steelers, obviously. I hope you guys don't land this guy, but for the Browns, I would love to see Darian Beavers. That's a guy who I didn't mention when I was giving my rundown, but, I mean, just a freak athlete. Um, super, super fluid linebacker, a guy that can cover, that can make a tackle from sideline to sideline. He's, he brings it, like, I wouldn't say he's as athletic and as mobile as Jeremiah Usu-Kormoa is, but compared to what we have with Anthony Walker, I mean, it's just another level of quickness. And 
just you need guys like that in the NFL nowadays. You need guys like that can move like Fred Warner. That it, it's that's how teams like the Niners made it as far as they could. Is these athletic linebackers? I mean, your, your tight end killers don't always have to be a safety. Every once in a while, it can be a tight end. And Darian Beavers is somebody that showed that he has the ability to cover guys. And he did, or the first day, I thought he did a really good job um, covering like even small uh, running backs. They, they had him covering some running backs. And I thought he did more like an exceptional job for what he was asked to do, especially being a linebacker. So I would love to get an athletic linebacker like Darian Beavers. And that's somebody else that I think helped their draft stop quite a bit this week at Mobile. Um, I'm super excited to see what he can do in a live game uh, come Saturday. But Ed, next week we'll, we'll be able to give a little bit of a recap on what happened during the game. I mean, I know the practice is really what people are looking for, these one-on-ones. They're looking for, you know, can this small school guy win against this big school guy? Can he be successful at the next level? It's it's getting down to the science of the guys, you know. We, we know what they can do on the football field, but what can they do on the practice field? You know, what, what, what's going on behind the scenes? And that, that's pretty much what Mobile's all about. And so, yeah, the game's going to be exciting, but I'm, I'm glad we got to see these one-on-one matchups. I feel like we learned a lot about these players. And at the same time, you know, one of these guys that had a fantastic senior bowl is not going to be great in the NFL. And somebody that had a bad senior bowl is going to be fantastic in the NFL. And that's kind of what I love about this, Ed. You know, you could you could only get so many right, but I'm excited to see who, who the heck's going to be the surprise out of this senior bowl. But on, a, on another note, Ed, hopping over to the NFL, um, there's there's been some controversy brewing. And that's with Bl- Brian Flores. We know, we know the whole situation. He got uh, fired from the Miami Dolphins after going on a seven-game win streak. Um... They, they lost the first eight, won the next seven. I think it was something like that. And he got fired, and he's he's now suing the NFL. He's suing, I believe, the Denver Broncos, the Miami Dolphins, and the New York Giants. And every one of those teams has has denied all, any and all of his allegations. So, And he's, he's suing them for, um, I, wa- I want to say, racial inequality or uh, unfair practices, um, unfair yeah went in, in the hiring process so this is this is something that i understand that he what he's doing it for and if if it's for the betterment of of football i'm i'm all for that i'm all for that uh i i hope and i'm praying that you know when when the case comes through that everything was proven not true because i want the best for the nfl i want the best for the for football um i 110% and all about equity and equality and and if that's not something the NFL is practicing to the fullest extent you know that that makes me upset and you know I I stand by Brian Flores with with what his intentions are for the betterment of football and you know he's he's come out and said I understand I might be sacrificing my my opportunity to to ever become a coach again by doing this but it's for the betterment of football and I 110% have to respect that and at the end of the day I, I've just come to the conclusion, you know, what does Brian Flores have? What what does he gain from lying about this? So I, I can't understand why he'd be lying about it. But at the same time, you know, everybody's come out. They've de- denied the allegations. They they John Elway has given his reasoning. Um, Dolphins owner has given their reasoning. It, it's it's all over the place. I mean, heck, uh, now now that that he said that, 
you got Hugh Jackson coming out and saying that he got paid to lose. I mean, it, it's causing controversy across the NFL. So it, it's not just one problem. It's it's creating more problems from stuff that was happening five years ago. So I, I it, it's a mess right now in the NFL, Ed. This could either be really ugly for the NFL or it'll be really ugly for Brian Flores. And I and I hope it's not ugly for Brian Flores. And I, I just I really hope that this 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 whole thing kind of stays in perspective in the sense that um you know he went after a lot of big names you know what i'm saying like he went you know bill belichick is named um you know the dolphins owners named the giants with you know the maras i mean they're named in this uh the broncos and john elway some had a some had a, a clap back and some did not a clap back but maybe a a counter argument and some just kind of denied the allegations. Um, so Elway's claim is that he was flying the night before, and so it wasn't that he was hungover; it was that he had been flying, and um, that was what made him late, and that he gave him a legitimate interview. So Flores is claiming it was just a sham interview. When it was the Giants, it was Dable. Um, there was a kind of situation where Bill Belichick was texting and he thought he was texting Brian Dable and he told him that he got the job, but he was really texting Brian Flores and he told him he got the job. So Brian Flores thought he got the job and then he realized it was Brian Dable. I think there's more to that story. I think that I think when Bill Belichick, I think when there's a deposition for Bill Belichick, I think there's more to the story. Also, I don't know. I mean, like Bill Belichick is kind of a man in his 60s and generally that generation doesn't really text as much. Um so I I almost think that uh you know, I give I, I give him a pass. I almost feel like it was kind of like exploiting a weakness with Bill Belichick to make him look bad in that situation. Um, you know, I mean, I, I will say this. I, I've said it on the podcast before, and um, Brian Flores did not deserve to be thrown out of the Dolphins. I mean, he won like nine in a row. Like he did not lose. Like that, that, that right there in the case I mean I think that's a clear case of racial discrimination where he was he was fired from a job where he was doing a good job yes he lost a bunch of games to begin with but then he started winning right so to be honest with you in the situation where I don't know I don't know if it's true that he was offered a hundred thousand but that's a very serious allegation but I do know that he was wrong I, I do believe that he was wrongfully terminated uh, not not in a legal sense, but just I, I just think it, it, from a football perspective, he should not have lost the Miami Dolphins job. One of the reasons that I do believe Brian Brian Flores is that I would say this: he has no reason to do this, right? I mean, he he's going to get another head coaching job, right? And he's kind of sacrificed himself and sacrificed his name so that he can sort of fight for racial equity. And I and 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 that I respect. To to go as far as to say that an NFL team has run like a plantation, I thought that was taking it too far. 
I, I 100% from a put football perspective, wrongfully fired. And uh, I kind of wanted to backtrack to the um, that that Bill Belichick situation. I don't necessarily know if that was something that he was doing to exploit Bill Belichick more more so uh, the the Giants organization as a whole because so I I don't know how um, how well in tune you are with the the Art Rooney rule um, where you know you you have to at least conduct an interview with one minority um, for for a head coaching position right and so my question is did so they already hired Brian Dable before Flores interviewed correct so it was that just you know is is the Rooney rule do they is that pretty much just a PR stunt at this point like are they really even respecting that and I think that's kind of one of the main points of this is that rule was put there for a reason it's not there for a PR stunt it's there to give these guys an opportunity and Flores is somebody that more than enough deserves that opportunity you know to to say hey you got the job it's like I haven't even interviewed yet um it's 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 kind of a slap in the face man it's like so I mean so that what the, I'm here because I needed I needed to be their pass. I needed to be their pass so they can pass the Rooney Rule. But but didn't but didn't the Giants didn't they didn't they interview an offensive line coach that was of color? It, they could you know actually within the organization yeah I think they might have with the Giants. So at this okay at the end of the day that so okay let's take the I don't even think that's more of a thing to say hey let's give Flores. So what even are they doing to him at that point? I, I feel like at that point, it's almost even more disrespectful to, to Flores to bring him in for a sham interview. I think that as a whole proves that that was 110% a sham interview. So I, I don't know if that's due to you know racial inequality or something like that, or it's because it, they didn't want to have to deal with the immediate attention of, hey, why didn't you even give Flores a shot? Because they already knew they were going to hire Brian Dable. I, I just the whole situation I mean, I mean, is such a, a mess in, to in, me. In, 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 in itself, though, I mean, when you when you looking this at this objectively, right? Like Brian Dable, Brian Flores, both good candidates to be head coaches, right? They're both guys that you would feel comfortable being coaches of your team, right? right. Dable's the man, though. But they, but they chose to pick Dable, right? and I agree. I, I agree with the hire, hundred and ten percent, hundred and fifty thousand percent agree with the hire. I think Brian Dable is the man for the job without a second doubt. I just can't comprehend why you're you're you know, Flores is he, the dude's looking for a job. I mean, he, he doesn't have a job right now. So why are you telling this guy, hey, we want we we really want to consider you. We want to have you take time out of your life to come interview for us. And it's not going to be for Jack. It's it's for nothing. I, I, so that part, I, I don't even know if that's more of, I, I that's just more of a j- disrespect aspect from the New York Giants organization. Um, I, I think that's just kind of a sign of not much integrity. More and it, it's hard to put a label on what that is. I I think at the bare minimum we could say what they did to him was wrong. I don't think we can put necessarily a label on what why it was wrong. What they did was not it was not cool to Brian Flores, and I think it's it's really as simple as that. Do you think Do you think an NFL team though can has the right to kind of pick who they want? You know what I'm saying? Like, regardless of race, like oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like, if, if the guy's like, qualified for the job, he's the guy. 
But I mean, it's the, not like uh, in in the Giants situation. I mean, Brian Dable isn't a bad head coaching. Looking out from what it is from right now, like Brian Dable isn't like a bad. He is. He isn't a bad. Uh, higher. I mean, he's done great things with Josh Allen, right? I, I think he was one of the best coaching hires of the offseason, honestly. I strongly believe that, but I don't think that's necessarily even... Like, I think everybody agrees that Brian Dable was a really good hire for the Giants organization. And I think a lot of people would even say, even people that are standing behind Flores would say, Brian Dable made more sense as a hire for the Giants. I just the 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 fact of the matter is, you just can't ha- you can't you you can't give people sham interviews. End of story. I think it's as simple as that. And the Giants had 110 percent every right in their book to hire Brian Dable as the guy because I personally think he was the guy. But at that point, tell Brian Flores, hey man, Brian Dable's the guy. I'm sorry, we don't want to waste your time. Brian Dable's the guy. And I I think they should have left it at that. And I, I think that brings us to a good a good ending point for the day. I think that that was a good conversation and um, something something that's something that's pretty interesting going on in the league right now. And like you said, it's kind of a point of conversation we just wanted to have. And um, it was it was a nice thing to to give us a little bit of NFL sprinkle after all that Senior Bowl talk. So I mean, next week, Ed, though, you know what we're gonna be covering the Super Bowl, baby. And I know it's gonna hurt both of us. Um, as as fans of teams in the AFC North, seeing the the Bengals of all teams in the Super Bowl, but um, you know we'll be back here next week. We'll give you a breakdown on what we think is going to happen. Maybe talk a little bit uh, about what happened in the Senior Bowl game. Just uh, touch up on that. But I think it's going to be a pretty Super Bowl based show next week, Ed. So we'll leave it at that. And Ed, I wanted to thank you for being being the host on the show. It's always a fantastic time with you, my friend. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening to this episode of Blitzcast, and we'll be back with you next week.